Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, 1 Kings chapter 14, and if I were to give this one a title, it would be Peekaboo. I see you. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing you've heard today, right? Peekaboo, I see you. I don't know if you've done this, uh, but when my kids were little, they used to love this game. You put your hands over your eyes and act like you disappeared, you know, and then you, you know, put your hands back and go, hey, I see you, peekaboo, you know, and oh, they thought it was so funny. I try to do that to them now that they're a teenager and they don't even laugh anymore. They just wonder what's wrong with their father, right? Well, how many times do we do that to God? How many times do we act like God doesn't see us? When he really sees all of us. Well, we're going to talk about that today and a whole lot more. But if you got, uh, if you don't mind, before we do anything else, please make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It really helps us out a lot. We are almost at a thousand subscribers. Thank you so much for doing that. Also, if you are listening on the podcast, thank you so much for listening. And make sure you leave us a five star review, and then let us know. Leave us a review. Number one, it's an encouragement to so many of us behind the scenes who work on the podcast, but also it lets other people know what they can expect. And I had someone just the other day uh, write us and say that listening to the podcast has caused them to actually get out their paper Bible to read along. And can I tell you as a pastor, that blesses my soul so much. So thank you for doing that. It lets us know, you know, that we're how we're doing and what we need to do more of. And also we all gather together at the Bible Breakdown discussion on Facebook. We have about 250 of you who have joined that and it is an honor and they do an amazing job of writing those devotions every day. It's one of my favorite things. I get up in the morning, I read those devotions. So thank you so much for doing that. If you have your Bibles, you want to open them up with me to 1 Kings chapter 14. We're going to continue this conversation through the book of 1 Kings. And remember, 1 Kings was written after the nation of Israel had been exiled, after everything had happened and everything was bad and all of this, and they were writing and telling the nation how they got into this mess. You know, and because you know, if they think back and they go, well, man, we had David and we had Solomon, everything was going great. What happened? <laughs> and so the writers inspired of the Holy Spirit are going, I'm going to tell you what happened. It didn't stay that way. That's why we say, said at the very beginning that this whole book, if we were to sum it up, we could say the overall theme is that your history tells a story, but not the whole story. That bad things happen, good things happen, but God is there all along the way, orchestrating everything and always turning our hearts back toward him. And today is one of those days, and we're reading through this, where we can see that the nation of Israel is slowly but surely just turning further and further away from God, and they need God to really come in and help them. I also want to make sure you understand that over the next several chapters, they can be very confusing, because what the authors of 1 Kings, 2 Kings are doing is they are helping you kind of track what's going on in two different nations. You've got the nation of Israel that is just, I'm just going to tell you, it's got more bad kings than good kings, all right? I mean, it's just going to be really bad. But you also have the nation of Judah, and that's the nation that still has the seat of David attached to it, someone from the line of David who is their king. So you have these, and what 
they're going to do is the writers of Kings is going to help you kind of keep a thread of what's going on. And so they'll say in the certain year of the king of Israel, this guy became the king in Judah. And then in the certain year of the reign of the guy, this guy in Judah, this guy in Israel. So it kind of helps you understand the timeline, but also help you understand what's going on. You're going to see more of that moving forward. So try not to get confused with it because it can be very confusing. But to remember, there's two different kingdoms happening the kingdom of Israel, and the kingdom of Judah. Let's start off with talking about one of the kings, a guy named uh, Jeroboam, who was one of the main ones to orchestrate the split in the two kingdoms, and he took over the nation of Israel. So if you're ready, 1 Kings chapter 14, watch what Jeroboam's wife does right here at the very beginning. You ready? Verse 1 says this, At that time, Jeroboam's son, Abijah, became very sick. So Jeroboam told his wife, Disguise yourself so that no one will recognize you as my wife. Then go to the prophet Ahash at Shiloh, the man who told me I would become king. Take him a gift of 10 loaves of bread, some cakes, a jar of honey, and ask him what will happen to the boy. So Jeroboam's wife went to Ahaja's home at Shiloh. He was an old man and now he could no longer see. But the Lord had told Ahaja, Jeroboam's wife will come here pretending to be someone else. She will ask you about her son, for he is very sick. Give her the answer that I give you. So, as you can already tell, God knows what's going to happen here, and he's already prepared the prophet so the prophet will know what's going on. Okay, here we go. Verse 6. So, when Ahaja heard her footsteps at the door, he called out, Come in, wife of Jeroboam. Why are you pretending to be someone else? And I wonder if for her, she's like, oh, I dressed up and did all of this and he already knows who I am. So she said, I, or he said to her, I have bad news for you. Give your husband Jeroboam this message from the Lord, the God of Israel, who says, I promoted you from the ranks of the common people and made you ruler over my people, Israel. I ripped the kingdom away from the family of David and I gave it to you, but You have not been like my servant David, who obeyed my commands and followed me with all of his heart and always did whatever I wanted. You have done more evil than all who lived before you. You have made other gods for yourself and have made me furious with your golden calves. And since you have turned your back on me, I will bring disaster on your dynasty and will destroy every one of your male descendants, slave and free alike, anywhere in Israel. I will burn up your royal dynasty as one burns up trash until it is all gone. God's got some opinions here, right? The members of Jeroboam's family will die in the city and will be eaten by dogs. And those who die in the field will be eaten by vultures. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now pause. Can you imagine Jeroboam's wife? And she thinks she's going to go there. She's going to trick the man of God and whatever. And she gets there and she finds out, first of all, I knew who you were the whole time. Second of all, everybody, everybody is going to be in the den. (laughs) Everybody's going to die. All right, here we go. Verse 12. That was not the news she was hoping for, I'm sure. Then Ahaja said to the Jeroboam's wife, go on home. And when you enter the city, the child will die. Oh, Lord. All Israel will mourn for him and bury him. He is the only member of your family who will have a proper burial. For this child was the only good thing that the Lord, the God of Israel, sees in the entire family of Jeroboam. In addition, the Lord will raise up a king over Israel who will destroy the family of Jeroboam. And this will happen today 
even now. Then the Lord will shake Israel like a reed whipped about in the stream. He will uproot the people of Israel from all this good land that he gave their ancestors and will scatter them beyond the Euphrates River. For they have avenged the Lord with the asterisk poles and they have set up for worship. He will abandon Israel because Jeroboam sinned and made Israel sin along with him. So Jeroboam's wife returned to Tisra, and the child died just as she walked through the door of her home. And all Israel buried him and mourned for him as the Lord had promised through the prophet Ahijah. The rest of the events of Jeroboam's reign, including all his wars and how he ruled, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. And then Jeroboam reigned in Israel for 22 years, and then Jeroboam died, and his son Nadab became the next king. Now, we're going to see about Rehoboam, who rules in Judah. So we're, we're switching from Israel to Judah. Here we go. Meanwhile, Rehoboam, son of Solomon, was king in Judah. He was 41 years old when he became king, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem. The city of the Lord had God had chosen from all the tribes of Israel as a place to honor his name. Rehoboam's mother was Namah, an Amorite woman. During Rehoboam's reign, the people of Judah did what was evil in the Lord's sight, provoking his anger with their sin. For it was even worse than that of his ancestors. For they also built for themselves pagan shrines and set up sacred pillars and asteropoles on every high hill and under every green tree. There were even male and female shrine prostitutes throughout the land. The people imitated the detestable practices of the pagan nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. In the fifth year of King Rehoboam's reign, King Shishak of Egypt came up and attacked Jerusalem. He ransacked the treasuries of the Lord's temple and the royal palace. He stole everything, including all the gold shields Solomon had made. King Rehoboam later replaced them with bronze shields as substitutes and he entrusted them to the care of the commanders of the guard who protected the entrance of the royal palace. Whenever the king went to the temple of the Lord, the guards would take out the shields and then return them to the guard room. The rest of the events in Rehoboam's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. There was constant war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. When Rehoboam died, he was buried among his ancestors in the city of David. His mother, Nahama, and um, his mother Nahama an Amorite, was an Amorite woman, and his son Abajam became the next king. There's a couple of things there, and then we're going to end our time together. First of all, notice how far the kingdom has come since David. David was the king that united everybody again after Saul had kind of, you know, things had kind of got splintered after Saul's death. So David united everybody. Solomon made them greater. Even though toward the end of his life, he started to turn away from God, Rehoboam was next. Rehoboam was David's grandson. And just that quickly, everything started to fall apart. If you also remember from before, Jeroboam, the king of Israel, he was in league with the Pharaoh in Egypt, Shishak, the king of Egypt. And so there was likely some kind of a coup that happened that then gave Rehoboam you know, was they were able to be overtaken by the Egyptian king, and then the temple of God was plundered. So it's very interesting to see how all of these things, and it really reminds you of just almost like a chess game, and things are moving all over the place. But then what was so sad is that now 
the kingdom that was once beautiful and wonderful through David and Solomon is now just a facade. It's now just a, just really not even close to what it used to be. To even the point that whenever the king would go to the temple, they would get out the fine looking things. And then as soon as he would leave, they put them back up again. In other words, they're really just pretending at this point. God has really left them and they're just a shell and a shadow of what they used to be. That's what happens a lot of times when we turn away from the Lord. We start to put on the form of godliness, but there's really no power that's there. And that really leads me to what I wanted to finish up with, which was at the beginning of the chapter. And that is so many times we go to the Lord wearing masks. We go to God acting like he doesn't already know us. That's what, remember uh, Jeroboam's wife, she's going to go disguise herself so that God wouldn't recognize her. The man of God wouldn't recognize her and she could hear from the Lord. With the whole time, God knew exactly who she was. She would have been a whole lot better off just to have presented herself and said, here I am, this is what I need. Can I tell you, don't, don't ever waste time when you're in God's presence. Don't try to act like you're better than you are or you're worse than you are. Don't try to make empty promises to God because the thing is, is God knows you. He loves you. He's never loved you more than he does right now. Now, he loves you too much to let you stay that way. He's going to constantly work toward that holiness in your life and, and break the, the bondages in your life. He's going to be working in your life. But never, 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 never go to God with a mask. Never try to disguise yourself, but instead go to God and say, God, here I am. Here's all my broken pieces. Here's the things that worry me. Here's the things that bother me. Here's all these things. Because here's, here's, the, here's the thing. He already knows, and he still loves you. He already knows every dark place. Here, here's what's even worse. I don't know if this bothers you, but it bothers me. God was there when you did that bad thing you don't want to talk about. He was there, and his love hasn't changed for you. And so don't let your relationship with God be like what had happened to the nation of Judah when they have this form of godliness, they have a great facade, but as soon as everybody's back is turned, they go and they do something else. But instead, come to God with all sincerity and all honesty. God, here I am. This is what's going on. This is how much I need you. And watch what he does. Because the king who loves you so much that he gave his life for you is the same king that's with you right now. And if he loved you enough to save you, he loves you enough to walk with you through everything. One of the most amazing blessings that we have is the book of Hebrews says we can come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy because our heavenly father is sitting on that throne. So I want to ask you this question as we get ready to pray. What do you need to stop hiding from God today? What question, what hurt, what pain, what insecurity, what worry, what fear have you not been talking to God about? What do you need to take to him today? And what do you need to trust him with in your life? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you that you're with us, you're for us, and though you are better than we can imagine. I pray today, God, that we will learn to trust you more and more every single day. To realize, God, that you are with us and you are for us. And because you are with us and you are for us, all things are possible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, don't forget, God's word says, and we're going to see this coming up in just a few days. Elijah, he challenges the nation and he says this in 1 Kings 18. Elijah stood in front of them and said, How long will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. 
If the Lord is God, let's follow him with our lives and watch what he will do. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow for 1 Kings chapter 15.